I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Susan Edgman-Levitan, Executive Director of the Stokel Center for Primary Care Innovation at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. We're discussing patient experience measures and healthcare outcomes. Susan, in a new perspective article, Mannery and colleagues focus on measures of patients' experience of healthcare and their relationship to health outcomes. To clarify first what these measures are, let's begin with the ones you participated in developing, the Hospital Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems, or HCAPS. Can you describe how this survey was developed and what kinds of questions are now included in it? Um, Yes. The survey was developed using a very standard set of design principles that have been developed by the CAPS Consortium over the past 15 years. And we start with a um, very detailed approach to understanding from the perspective of patients and families what they value in terms of quality of care what they think contributes to their ability to manage their health conditions, to recover from a procedure or a hospitalization, and what helps them manage their health care in general going forward. And we elicit lots of um, ideas. We also focus very, very hard on things that we know that patients can actually perceive and judge. Um, We don't ask anything about technical quality of care because patients are the first to tell you that that's not something they can judge. Um, But we do ask about things um, like communication, about responsiveness of staff, about how they understand how to take their medicines, how they're prepared for discharge, um, how their pain is managed when they're in the hospital, and things that we think um, that we know they care about and that they think contribute to their well-being and that we know also um, have a relationship to good outcomes and quality of care. We, We elicit those perspectives from patients. Then we design survey questions to measure um, those aspects of care. And then once we have the, the item sets finished, we go back to patients and families and we go through a cognitive interviewing process where we um, ask people to sit down and take the survey. And then we go, we talk to them about what they think the question is asking them to report about. And that's very humbling because we find that there are many, many terms and concepts that we think are very clear, but from the patient's perspective, they're not. And we go back, we rework um, the items. And the other thing that we do, which I think is really critical, is that over the years, we've done a lot of qualitative research with administrators, clinicians, nurses, doctors, and others that are expected to respond to these types of data about what makes the information have more credibility. And one of the first things that we learned is that um, clinicians really do not like patient satisfaction surveys. They And they don't like, and I'm specific about patient satisfaction, because they know that there is a lot of inherent bias when you ask people to report how satisfied they are with something. What satisfies me might be quite different, um, having exactly the same experience from what might satisfy my 87-year-old mother. And so they asked us if there was a way that we could develop survey questions that would be more objective. And so that's why we call these reports about the patient's experience. So a very simple example is instead of asking somebody to report how satisfied they are with the information they got from their doctor, we actually break down all the important types of information that patients want. 
How do you take the medication you're prescribing? Why are they taking the medication? Um, how the doctor explains their diagnosis in a way they can understand. So these are very concrete um, survey questions that when a person says, no, it did not happen, um, you don't spend a lot of time fighting about how to interpret that response. You actually have at least a, a, a good chance of knowing where to begin your improvement work. So those are basically the design principles that we use to develop the surveys. And are there certain questions on the survey that have been found to be most highly correlated with outcomes or with other quality measures? Yes, um, and it, it actually depends on the setting that you're evaluating. So in an inpatient setting with the hospital cap survey, the um, set of items that are most strongly correlated with a person's willingness to give the hospital a, a score of 9 or 10 or recommend it to their friends and family are the nurse communication questions. Um, the next most highly um, correlated set of items are the questions about responsiveness of staff. Um, doctor communication, interestingly enough, is not as highly correlated because, in general, doctor communication for most hospitals, um, the scores are pretty high. And so that is not as strongly correlated. And I think when you think about it, um, how you do in the hospital and, and the kind of care you receive from the nursing staff is pretty critical. And so it's not a surprise that the nursing items are the most strongly correlated. And we also think that some of the nursing communication items are really a proxy for teamwork. Um, when, you, when you ask a patient to report how well the nurses could answer their questions, that's often a reflection of how well the nurses and the doctors are communicating so that the nurses actually have the information to share with the patient. Who's using these surveys, and, and how are they using them? Um, the hospital cap survey is actually mandated by CMS. So every hospital that receives funding for Medicare has to administer the hospital cap survey. Um, and there are lots of other um, requirements for using the cap surveys. Um, NCQA requires all health plans to use the health plan cap survey as part of accreditation. CMS is beginning to um, require that home health agencies use the home health cap surveys, that dialysis centers use the dialysis survey instruments, and there are lots of requirements in the ACO and in the, the um, ACA um, healthcare regulations about the use of instruments to measure the patient's experience in an accountable care organization and also in a patient-centered medical home. So there are many, many different mandates for the use of these items, and I think it's pretty safe to say they've become a fairly standard measure of quality, just like we have other measures of clinical quality and outcomes. Mannery and colleagues nonetheless describe an ongoing controversy over patient experience measures. They report that some studies have found that there's a strong positive correlation between the patient's ratings of their care and their health outcomes. Other studies have found no correlation or even a negative correlation. How do you explain those sorts of results? I think that um, there are lots of different reasons for that. I think most of the well-designed studies have found that there are important correlations between clinical outcomes, reduced readmission rates, um, 
reduce malpractice risk, um, and better patient outcomes in general. Um, for many of the CAP surveys, I think that um, I'm always very careful to look at what type of survey people are using when they say that patient satisfaction or patient experience is not correlated with important other clinical outcomes. Um, it doesn't surprise me that um, a patient satisfaction survey might have some issues because the other thing um, that I think is important to remember is that many of the patient satisfaction surveys that are used by commercial vendors have a lot of items about the amenities of the hospital, the food, the parking, and those are things that when we have talked to patients, and at this point we've talked to thousands of patients, we never hear about those as things that they really care about or that they think are related to their outcomes and their ability to manage their health problems. And so I think it's important to look at um, what survey items are um, included in the analysis and what survey instruments are included in the analysis. The idea of surveying patients is distasteful to some physicians because in their eyes it seems to turn medicine into a retail transaction with a consumer who's always right, and they, they argue that that cheapens their vocation. How would you reframe this approach to quality assessment to avoid that sort of reaction? I think it's very important for physicians and other clinicians to understand what the patients are actually being asked about. If I was being evaluated in, a, in the hospital on the basis of the food, the parking, you know, the the more of the how much people smile at me, I would be upset too. But I think that when you look at the kinds of things that we ask about in the CAP survey, um, it's hard to argue that they don't have a very important relationship to clinical quality of care, how well the person understands what's wrong with them, how to take care of themselves, how to take their medications, whether their pain is controlled or not um, is really important. And there are lots of studies that show the relationship between poor pain control, longer lengths of stay and poorer outcomes. So I think it's it's important for people to really understand what's being measured. I also think that part of that concern stems from the fact that um, improving patient experience of care measures is not as straightforward as improving other clinical quality measures um, because the patient's experience is something that almost everyone on the care team has a role to play and physicians don't often have control over everyone on the care team. And so you really have to think about um, how you structure your improvement so that people understand what they need to do. The good news from my perspective is that um, where we recommend that people start is paying attention to the quality of life and the systems that their staff are working in. Um, if you are working in dysfunctional systems and you don't have the resources, the training um, to provide the care that you want to provide and that you know is the best care, you're going to be very frustrated and there's almost no ability to work around that to, to give the patient the kind of experience that I think most clinicians want to do and certainly that our health systems want to provide. Um, and so I think that when um, it's a little bit like you have to understand the what's in it for me for the physicians and the what's in it for the doctors is that hopefully you're going to give them better systems to provide care in which is going to improve their quality of work life. Mannery and colleagues lay out three major objections to patient experience measurement. Patients aren't credible critics because they haven't gone to medical school. They may base their assessment on factors that are unrelated to process quality, such as their health status. And they may downgrade doctors for not giving them what they want. 
How do you respond to those concerns? I think that um, patients haven't gone to medical school, and they're the first to tell you that. And so that's why we are very careful to not ask them to evaluate things that they can't judge. Um, One quick example is we've often gotten lots of requests to create more questions that evaluate direct issues around patient safety, such as hand washing. And we can't do that because um, patients actually can't always see whether somebody washes their hands or not. Sometimes it happens outside the room. We also learned that a lot of people don't know what the dispensers are um, for the CalStat and the other mechanisms. So we can't ask patients to judge that because it's not something they can reliably observe. Um, And so I think that we're asking patients to judge things that they and only they can tell us about. Uh, Another good example is pain. Um, We put a lot of information in the clinical chart about what we're giving people for pain, but patients are really the only ones that can tell us if it worked or not and if it was effective. Um, I think that, again, um, I mentioned earlier that we have designed the CAP surveys to allow patients to report about their experiences of care, which actually, and, and again, we, we did that to eliminate a lot of the bias based on gender, health status, age, race, ethnicity, um, to try to make these as objective as possible. And we've done some interesting studies in the past where you can really see the difference when you're asking patients to evaluate the same aspects of care using satisfaction ratings and um, reports. And one that is one of my favorites is we did this um, with a group of researchers in Israel. And they um, use patient reports in in a native-born Israeli population a Russian immigrant population, and an Arab population. And when you ask them to report about their care, the results were pretty similar across all the the different groups. When you ask them to evaluate using patient satisfaction surveys, the Russians hated everything, the Israelis were right in the middle, and the Arabs loved everything. Um, So it was a really interesting example of the difference in what happens with bias when you don't have people report more objectively about what did or did not happen, um, which I always love that one. Um, the The last question, um, again, we have found that because um, the things that we're asking people to report about are not related to um, giving them what they want. And in fact, what we found, we have one study um, that looked at the experiences of parents where they were they brought their child in for a URI and thought they might need an antibiotic. And the practices that explained more effectively why the child did not need an antibiotic, the parents were actually happier and were not upset that they didn't you know get what they wanted. And I think that, what we're seeing is that when you really educate people about what their options are and what's going on, they're not demanding a lot of unreasonable things. Um, and, and I think that these surveys are beginning to pick up on that. So if an organization is conducting these surveys, how should it then go about improving its performance in looking at the results? Um, There are several things that we recommend. One is that you use the data very effectively by sharing it across your whole organization. I think that at Mass General we have a very, very um, effective way of using our HCAPS data. Um, The results are reviewed by our senior executive team regularly in their senior management teams. 
We also use the HCAP survey in, with a vendor that allows us to collect patient comments. And so those comments are also reviewed because the comments all, often add stories and illustrations of why something didn't go well or why something did go well that give us insight into how to improve whatever the area is that we're looking at. And it also gives us the opportunity to thank people when they've done a really good job because sometimes our staff are named um, in person. So we also think that it's very important to do employee surveys so that you can see where your staff are running into barriers to providing high quality care. And that helps us um, with things like teamwork, communication, which we know are very important. And those show up with our patients. It's interesting because um, there's a, a national survey of patient safety culture. And we've looked at um, the scores on that survey at the unit level and at the hospital level related to HCAPS data, and there's a correlation. So units where that don't perform well on the survey of patient safety culture don't do well on the HCAPS surveys because they often have communication issues, they often have teamwork issues, there's often some sort of disruptive behavior on the unit, and so again, it points to the fact that you have to take care of your staff so that they can take care of the patient. Um, the other thing that I think is really critical is that you get direct input from your patients and families about how to improve your scores. Um, over the years when I've um, gone out and done a lot of this improvement work, um, one of the things I've learned is that if you put clinicians and people like me in a room to come up with a solution, we often come up with the most complicated, difficult to implement, and expensive solution, and it's wrong. And if you go to patients, they will tell you what you can do that's helpful to them. And it's often very simple things. Um, and, you know, a good example is handing out index cards to families and patients the night before they know they're being discharged so that they can write down all their questions they have. Those get collected by the 3 to 11 nursing staff. They go on the chart. So when rounds are being made the next day, the team knows exactly what things the patient wants to understand better, and they can help prepare them in a much more targeted way, and that basically costs whatever it costs to buy index cards. Um, so there are lots of things that I think we learn from our patients and families that help do this better. And the other thing that I love is that patients and families don't understand all of our turf issues. They cut right through it. And when the patient says, this would be helpful to me. It's much easier for the different professions to respond to it rather than fighting about who knows the patient best or who's got the best solution. You mentioned the Affordable Care Act, and of course that law is moving in many ways toward more patient-centered care. The Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, accountable care organizations, medical homes, what will all of that mean for the future of patient experience measures? I think that um, there are lots of new horizons for patient experience measures, and I think one of the most important ones is developing better measures to evaluate how patients are involved in decision-making about their care and what they know about their conditions. So decision um, quality measures. Um, some people, a lot of people, are actually working on those, and that's probably going to be a focus of the CAPS research in the next round round of CAPS funding that just started. Um, but some people think that in the future, an organization should be judged on the basis of how well their patients can answer questions about various 
conditions. So, for example, um, we might see in the future the ability to take women who have breast cancer and ask them the five most important things that everyone with breast cancer should know before they decide about their treatment options and compare Mass General with the Brigham or Mass General with Beth Israel Deaconess. Um, and that's, that's another measure that we think patients will care very much about. Um, but I also think that we now have measures that are beginning to be used widely in both um, the inpatient setting as well as in the patient-centered medical home setting and the ACO setting um, that will look at whether patients were told about the risks of any treatment options they have or diagnostic or screening options, the benefits, and whether they felt like their preferences were respected by the clinicians taking care of them. Thank you.